Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas. Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your co-host, Martha and Ashley. I almost said my last name again. I don't know why I do that. (laughs) But uh, we're here for part two of an actually wonderfully special episode with Brandi Walcott. You may have caught her part one, which is all about her son, the birth and the life of Declan. And it was so beautiful. We are so appreciative and honored that you would share his story with us. Um, It really was beautiful. And I I think you also... you know, the shock of being diagnosed and treated for cancer too is such a unique part of your journey. It really has many, many parts, which is why we split it into two, two sections here. Um, but Brandy, welcome back. We're so glad that you're Thank here. Thank you. Happy to be here again. <laughs> I know. Yes. And again, we, they, we are in pandemic mode, so we are remote here, but it is so wonderful to be able to see your faces virtually. So Thank goodness for technology and also curse to technology as well. (laughs) I also want to hire you to do my makeup and hair, Brandy, because I just keep staring at how perfect your contouring is. The hair just happened. (laughs) Makeup is definitely not my talent. (laughs) Very basic. And the hair just kind of, however it just happens. Curly hair is crazy. It kind of falls there and I just, I've learned to embrace it. I'm so bummed that this is not a visual medium because you do look fabulous and I want to know what yeah, your lip color you. is. <laughs> I want to know what you I'll like. You also, you also changed like into like a fall, like the last time you saw yeah. you was like, very summery and now you're very in fall. <laughs> yeah. You look yeah. like pumpkin spice. So thank you for being here today. <laughs> you are pumpkin spice. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're so excited to hear part two of your NICU journey. And again, your story has so many layers, but you know, your story also is very unique because you are and were a pandemic NICU mama. The pandemic NICU mama experience is something that we haven't had the chance to share about or interview about yet. And when we kind of went through the summary of your story, again, it's just another layer of trauma and another layer to what makes your story your own. So we're excited to be able to share that perspective today and, and hear about Maddox. So do you want to hop in and just share about the beginning of his story? Yeah. Um, we found out that we were pregnant on Christmas day of 2019, uh, which was really exciting. Um, I don't recommend taking a pregnancy test on Christmas unless (laughs) you are completely prepared for either result. Um, we weren't, uh, actively trying to get pregnant. It just kind of happened. Um, I think the whole thought of pregnancy after loss is something, uh, that's super difficult um, that is not talked about a lot. And thank God for social media, because I was able to just follow different accounts, read different blogs just to kind of, um, almost prepare myself for what that was going to be like. It was definitely harder than I had expected. Um, just coming from the loss of Declan and trying to just navigate, uh, what that looked like. Um, for me, I felt like my biggest struggle was still honoring the life of Declan. Um, while still, while trying to be excited about our next baby. And I felt like that was a really big struggle for me because I think the fear as a mom who who's lost a child 
is that the people that are in your life, you just don't want them to forget. Mm. Um, because for us, Declan was everything. And so I think in that, with the excitement of the new pregnancy and all of that, um, we were, I was, I was hesitant to share it. Um, mainly because I just didn't, I didn't know, I didn't want to have the disappointment again. And just being on the people that were with us on that journey for Declan um, were really emotionally involved too. And so as crazy as it is, we thought of that as well um, when it came to like our families and all of that. Um, but it was a, it was a weird feeling. Like you get the pregnancy test and it's positive and my husband was still sleeping and I woke him up and I was like, uh, Merry Christmas, we're pregnant. Um, <laughs> But it was like the weirdest, I don't even know how to really explain the emotion because it's like, I was so excited um, because even after Declan, I was still very hopeful, mm-hmm. um, which I know sometimes can be really hard. And it wasn't like an immediate thing, but I knew that I was supposed to, like, I knew that I was supposed to be a mom. And so yeah. for me, that wasn't an option of um, like just not getting pregnant again, I guess. It was just a matter of like, when do I feel like I'm emotionally ready? Uh, which I really had to wait for, uh, which doctors cautioned about too, just for your body and all of that. But for me, it was more of wanting to make sure that I was emotionally ready to handle um, every part of it, even if it was fully an exciting time. Um, And so finding out we were pregnant, I like tried to keep it a secret. It didn't work. I'm pretty sure we told our parents that day or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty like we, it was just like, whatever, we're just going to tell everybody. Um, well, kept it really quiet. We, um, actually, no, we didn't, we did keep it quiet. Um, cause we wanted to make sure I wanted to go to the first appointment, which for me was like, so hard because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really close to my parents. I'm really close to my sister. And we actually did keep it quiet for a few weeks. And then what happened was I started spotting. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, we had called, there was other crazy stuff going on in our family. My grandpa was in the hospital. My parents and my sister were at the hospital. And I told my husband, I was like, we have to tell, we have to tell my parents, my sister, like, I just need someone to kind of help us walk through it. Somebody to be in it with us praying, um, just that everything would be perfect. Um, Cause I started spotting my HCG levels were low. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and got blood work done and I was like, Oh gosh, what a bummer. Um, and so we actually called them. We met them in the cafeteria at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's how we told them. I had this whole cute thing planned, like to tell them for Valentine's Day, you know, mm-hmm. order the stuff on Etsy, like all of that stuff. I'm like, here we go again. Like another, another thing that's like, you miss the excitement of getting to yeah. tell them. Yeah. Um, so everything ended up being fine. My HCG levels ended up doubling and all that stuff. Um, but obviously my doctor was watching me really, really close um, because of being diagnosed with an incompetent cervix with Declan. Um, I did have to have um, a cervical surclage, which it, it sounds scarier than it is, I would say. Um, it's definitely not an easy thing. Um, I think the thought of it more was like scary. I definitely don't recommend reading things online because I don't know why I do that. You don't ever Google for any type of medical thing. <laughs> yes, um, yes. I should have asked someone who had it before what it was really like. Um, so I had to have that put in at 14 weeks. And actually, it was the weekend before that, that the pandemic really hit. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that weekend, my surgery was scheduled for a Monday. And I went into 
I'm trying to think. It was like March, it was Friday the 13th, March 13th. I went in for like my pre-op stuff. And that at that point, COVID had already kicked in. Mm-hmm. They were canceling procedures. They were doing all of these things. And so my biggest worry was, oh my gosh, they're going to consider this an elective right. procedure and it's going to get canceled oh. and I'm going to lose another baby. Oh my gosh. Um, and so that was Friday. And I was just like, okay, like we just need this to not, we need this to not get canceled. Cause at that point, at least in our um, area, they were already canceling things. So we were at church Sunday morning and I got a call from my doctor and I was like, oh no, like it's happening. I'm getting, it's getting canceled. And he actually called to just confirm that we were still moving forward. And it was like the best call ever. As scared as I was to have the procedure, it was the best call because we, I was just worried. I was like, they're not going to consider this like a life or death situation. Thankfully, my doctor did. He was like this, like your baby has to have this or you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to carry to term. And so um, I was super thankful for that. Uh, so then that day we go in for the surclage and um, at 14 weeks and I'm thinking like I'm going under anesthesia, no big deal. For some reason, after my surgeries, my body reacts really well to it. So it doesn't freak me out. I just feel like it's a great nap and we keep moving. Yes, yes, um, me, too. I, I, me too. I don't know. Like I, I like my body thrives on anesthesia. So I just, that was not a fear for me. I was like, okay, we're going to go in. I'm going to be put under for a little bit. The procedure is only 30 minutes, not a big deal at all. And um, when I got there, the anesthesiologist came in and she started talking about an epidural. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, well, we do an epidural. And I said, wait a minute. I thought I had the option for anesthesia. And she's like, well, you do, but that's not the safest route for the baby. And so then, of course, I was like, well, then it doesn't matter. Like, whatever's safe for the baby, I have to do. That kind of threw me off because it was not something that I had prepared for. So she was like, don't worry. I'll be in there with you the whole time. She was great. But I was like, I don't even know her. Like, I don't, that does not give me comfort that she's going to be in there. Um, And so she walked out and my husband just looked at me and he's like, are you okay? And I had a full breakdown. Like, I'm not okay. This is not what I was planning. And I've just learned to stop planning everything when it comes to like my motherhood journey, my pregnancy, I'm very type A. So for me to have things that aren't planned, it kind of freaks me out. And so um, the doctor that did my surquage um, was my perinatologist, the one that I was going to for the ultrasound. He was amazing. Uh, so that there was a level Can of I ask comfort a question? there. Uh huh. So. On part one, you had a, an experience with a medical bar- provider that was not positive. So did you end up switching providers? I did. I switched okay. providers um, when I was, when I kept getting told, like, it's just normal. It's part of postpartum, right. like all of that. Something for me just didn't feel right. Right. And okay. I wasn't trying to have the whole battle of, because um, I do, I do. I honor medical professionals. I totally trust their training. They went to school. They know what they're doing. But at some point I feel like, as women, we have to trust our gut. And for me, that was huge. Um, And I felt like I was just getting a lot of kickback when it came to my health. And so before I was diagnosed um, with colon cancer, I actually switched providers. Okay. So I switched, um, I switched my OB and I actually ended up going to the OB that delivered me. He's my mom's doctor. And so, um, I went to him. That's how I got, he's the one that looked at my history and was like, something's off. You need a colonoscopy. So he's the one that kind of like 
sped everything up for me. Okay. Okay. Um, and so he, and he was the one that directed me to the perinatologist, um, at our children's hospital. And so that's who did all of my ultrasounds. My OB was kind of just making sure I was good. Um, like emotionally making sure that I was feeling okay. And the perinatologist really took over everything with the baby. I never did an ultrasound with my OB or anything like that. It was all through the specialist. Okay, sure. Um, so that's who did the surclage as well. Um, so went into surgery. Um, it was literally like 30 minutes. For me, it was more um, scary to be awake in the OR because yeah. with Declan, it was a natural birth. And then with my colon surgery, I was obviously under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was being rolled into the OR and being awake. And I think it was the sterile, like cold room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just being able to hear everything is kind of what freaked me out. Um, mm-hmm. The epidural obviously kicked in really fast, which freaked me out. Um, she was like, okay, go ahead and put your legs up. And I'm like, I have no feeling already. <laughs> <laughs> like that scared me more than anything, like feeling yeah. like totally out of control of my body. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I love, the by pers- the way, when they like knock out your legs and they're like, okay, yes. can you scoot over to this table yes. now? And you're like, but I have no, like we just met right. four. I haven't done anything right. with that for nine months. Thank you. <laughs> right. And so I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Just, so she's like, okay, we're just going to kind of like slide you over. Then I'm like, that's fine. I can't feel anything. Just throw me over. I don't care. <laughs> um, and so the procedure was super quick. It was 30 minutes. Um, after the procedure, I did have a little bit more bleeding than they had expected. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in recovery probably for about five hours before I was sent home, um, which was nothing crazy. They, he came back to check on me. Um, and he was like, if you start bleeding really bad, obviously call, but this, at this point it's normal. Like we've monitored you to the point where it's normal. Um, I was sent home with progesterone pills. Um, just to kind of help my cervix and all of that. And so from there, I was like, okay, the surplus is in, we are good. I'm carrying full term. Uh, we're having another September baby. And um, right after that, I was put on modified bed rest. Uh, my OB was very, um, very cautious. And he's very old school. And I actually love that because I feel like He's like, I would just rather be careful. Like, we're not going to try anything and see, we'll, we'll just see what happens. He's very textbook. And he's like, you've already had one loss. I'm going to put you on modified bed rest. Um, by then, the whole, like, everything had shut down. We were on quarantine, all that craziness. And so um, from there, I was just kind of home every day. And I think that was really hard, too, because you can you start getting in your head and, you're just, I mean, I was at home, my husband was still working. And so not being able to do anything. I mean, no one was really able to do anything. You know, I was doing the same thing as everyone else pretty much. And so um, everything was fine. I didn't have like, I didn't have pain. I didn't have like cramping, nothing, uh, which was really different for me. Um, Almost like I was expecting, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the surplage, that whole thing. Couldn't really feel it. and so I was told that we'll take it out between 36 and 37 weeks. And from now till then, we're just going to keep monitoring you every month. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went to, that was in March. And then my April appointment was perfect. Everything was great. And then it was May, the day after Memorial Day that I went in. And that's when um, it was an on-call doctor that day too. So I was like, 
okay, this is crazy. I don't have my regular doctor. Um, and they did, the ultrasound tech was doing everything and she was kind of talking to me and then she kind of got quiet, but you know how they're not allowed to tell you anything. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm not even going to ask. And I could tell that she was trying to like force conversation. Like it flipped very yes. quick. Ugh. And so I was like, okay, something may be off, but I could see, I could see him in the ultrasound. He looked perfect. Like he was moving around. His heartbeat was per- like, everything was perfect. And so um, she was like, okay, um, I'm going to go get the doctor and we'll be back. So I'm sitting, like she left the door cracked a little bit and it's like 20 minutes at this point, like 25 minutes. And I'm like, what is going, like, they're just busy today. And so I um, started hearing the doctor, I heard my name. And so I was like, what, what is happening? And I hear him calling my OB and I thought, okay, mm-hmm. something's weird. Um, they never call my OB at these appointments, but I thought maybe it's an on-call doctor so that he has to call and give a report, whatever. And then I heard him say, she needs to go to the hospital right now. So I'm like, trying not to panic mm-hmm. because I don't know all the details, but I knew obviously at 25, 24 weeks, the end of 24 weeks, like that's not normal. Um, there's no reason why I should be sent to a hospital right now. So I'm texting my husband, like something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but they're sending me to the hospital. So obviously horrible text to get when you're at work. Yeah. And, um, but also so like close I, the door providers, make sure the right, door's closed well, behind you. Right. So that was, I was like, what are the chances that she just left that door open? And, um, so I just, there, he comes in and he is very, uh, the doctor that I had was very personable, outgoing, great personality, probably one of the nicest humans I've ever met in my life. This doctor was very, um, just very, I don't know, not cold, but he wasn't trying to engage at all. So it was very like, this is what's happening. This is my name. Just very, um, just about the facts pretty much. And so it was not comforting at all, but he was like, well, you're, um, your bag, your water bag is dropped completely and it's sitting on your stitching. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? And so I was trying to have him explain it to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought that having a surclage meant that I carried full term, which I learned is not the case. I was actually never told that. It was probably something I read on Google or just assumed because I had found people online that had a surclage and carried full term which it is possible, but it's not a guarantee. The, what I was told is that the surclage, the point of the surclage is to get you to a point where the baby is viable. So technically my surclage did its job because I didn't go into labor before he was considered viable, which at hospitals here in our city is 24 weeks before that they will not intervene at all. Um, and so I go to the hospital. My husband meets me there. We're walking in and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I said, I just know that I have to get a steroid shot. I was familiar with that because I had to have the steroid shot with Declan. All I know is it's like super painful. That's all I kept thinking. Um, So we go, we check in. Uh, They had already called ahead, told them I was coming, that my paperwork was getting started. And when we got there, uh, I was like, I have to go up for a steroid shot. So we're checking in and the security guard looks at my husband. He's like, you can't go with her. And so my heart just dropped. My husband is like, what do you mean I can't go with, like, what do you mean I can't go with her? And they're like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. The hospital is shut down. It's only the patient unless they're a minor. So um, 
it's weird because like the fear instantly went away and I got into like fight mode, which I think I'm just used to from just trauma. So um, I just looked at my husband and I said, I've got it. I'll see you in a minute. I've got it. It's not a big deal. It's just a shot. Of course, walking down the hallway, it seemed like forever. And in my head, I was not thinking it's just a shot. I was panicking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got up to the floor, it's like little things for me that make all the difference. Um, Elevation worship is my all-time favorite, favorite worship. And when I walked into the waiting room, that's who was playing, mm-hmm. which I thought was so random because mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know that most hospitals play worship music. Right. Yeah. And um, it was in a waiting room. I had to sit there by myself. Like they, we had to talk through like a glass thing. And then they're like, we'll call you when we're ready. And I just remember feeling so much peace, like, mm-hmm. okay, we've got this. Because that's, I mean, Elevation Worship was playing when I was in, during everything with Declan. I had it on repeat for like 16 hours. Mm. It's what I listened to throughout my whole pregnancy with Maddox. And so for me, that's just been a staple for me. It's something that brings a lot of peace for me. Um, and so when I went in, I was like, okay, we, we got this. Like, mm-hmm. this is exactly what I needed to hear. I'm texting my husband, like, this is the song that's playing. I got it. I'm not <laughs> freaking out. You don't need to freak out. And so... Um, I went in, checked in and she's like, okay, so you're going to be staying. And I was like, what do you mean I'm going to be staying? And she's like, yeah, you're being admitted. You're not, your doctor changed the order. You're going to be admitted. You're not going to go home um, after your shot. So I was like, great. Okay. Not prepared at all. Um, And of course I'm thinking of like the little things like, oh shoot, the nursery isn't done. And I don't have clothes and we're like just things that don't even matter in the moment. Yeah. And um. So within, I would say within 40 minutes, I was in a room admitted, my husband was allowed to come up. Um, they had given me the shot and they just had me pretty much just lay there in labor and delivery while we're laying there with masks on. It's, that was the weirdest part for me. It's just like, I'm already panicked. I feel like I can't breathe. And now you want me to wear a mask in yeah. here. Um, obviously, totally get it. Um, but it was just a weird, it's a weird thing to be in the hospital during a pandemic. I think being in a hospital already is scary, um, but feeling like you can't have your normal support system. Um, Cause like I said, I'm, we're super close. My husband and I are both super close with my parents and my sister. And so basically being told like you're, you can't see them at all for me was really, really hard. Um, Cause that's usually who I go to for everything. And so, and when everything happened with Declan, like they were right there um, within minutes. And so that was the crazy part is it's kind of like, okay, we're on our own, but we can do it kind of thing. Um, and so from there, they kept me in labor and delivery overnight until this whole 24 hours where they gave me my second steroid shot. Um, and then they moved me to antepartum and basically told me you're going to be sitting in antepartum until you go into labor. Mm-hmm. So um, we were in antepartum, I believe, for about 12 days. Um, it was just a lot of checking vitals and all of that. Nothing crazy was happening. Um, it was, I want to say about a week being there is when my water broke. Um, somebody came in to take my vitals and it was at like six in the morning. And this is going to sound crazy, but I thought I peed myself um, because I didn't experience my water breaking like that with Declan. And so I, the poor girl, I just asked her for water. And then I, as she was walking out, I was like, um, I think my water might be breaking. And she was like, what? And I said, I think my water is breaking. Uh, cause it's a lot of liquid. 
and but it didn't hurt it like nothing and so I woke my husband up and I'm like I think she's like okay let me go get a nurse and so I woke my husband up and I'm like I think my water just broke and I mean I didn't know you know you look at movies and all of that and I thought oh my gosh we're going into labor right now Mm -hmm. um obviously not true you can have your water break and be pregnant for a very long time after um and so the nurse came in and she was like yep your water broke and she was so calm she'd been a nurse there for over 25 years so I'm like this is amazing this team is awesome um very different experience from where I was at with Declan because the hospital that I was at for Maddox um, they're trained like that. They're used to high risk. All of the high risk patients pretty much go there. So I wasn't, I was a normal case to them. I wasn't like a random, oh my gosh, what is wrong with this girl? I was just like every other patient on that floor. So I think with that, it, there's a lot of peace in that because those nurses operate, it's normal for them. And so um, I just, I started crying and I was like, am I going to go into labor? I cannot have him yet. Like, this is not, this is not okay. I'm only 25 weeks. And she was like, no, you can be pregnant. I was 26 weeks. She was like, you can be pregnant for a long time after. She's like, we've had people who are pregnant for months after their water breaks, which I had no idea was even a thing. Um, and so right after that, they were, um, they put me on magnesium. Which, Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I also remember that with Declan. And I remember feeling crazy like not being able to talk, but being able to hear everything. And just that experience was crazy. Thankfully, they put me on a slow drip um, because I wasn't dilated or anything like that. So actually the magnesium this time didn't really affect me other than feeling kind of warm. Mm. So that was good because I panicked about that just because magnesium is the worst. It's literally Um, a swear word in the NICU community. (laughs) Yeah, like it's literally the worst feeling uh yeah. you just feel gross it's yeah. hot like thankfully at this point they had let us take our mask off because I was like I have to sit in here for possibly months with a mask on they were like no at this point this room is like your home we just ask that you put it on like when doctors come in and all that so sure. that was great um so they had me on magnesium for a full 48 hours and everything was fine his vitals were fine my vitals were fine so we just kind of kept functioning like normal and they're like, we'll constantly uh, monitor him to make sure that there's no infection starting and all of that. Um, at this point, the neonatologist had called um, to kind of give me a heads up of what to expect. And he was like, look, you can still carry to full term. He's like, I'm going to be honest. It's not likely with how your body's reacting. Um, so at this point, this is what's going to happen if you were to have him today. And he was very like, I do worst case scenario. He's like, obviously worst case scenario is that he dies. And I'm like, okay. Um, (laughs) And he was just very, he was nice, but he was just very blunt, which I can appreciate because I don't want anyone to sugarcoat it. I need to know what to expect. Um, And so he just kind of gave me the percentages and the outcomes. And he was like, if you can make it to 28 weeks, he's like, that's huge. Um, And so that was kind of our goal. He was like, let's do one goal at a time. He's like, like, then when you get to 30 weeks, that's even better. And so, um, he's like, let's take one day at a time. We'll celebrate every week. And then from there, he's like, it's just, it's going to be like that. Like we just have to go day by day because anything can change. So we got to 26 weeks and we were like, yes, like party 26 weeks. And then we got to 27 weeks 
And I was like, this is amazing. Like everything looks good. At that point, my water had already broke. So I was like, wow, this is, this is good. We're doing good. Um, we did a test at 12 o'clock. My vitals were perfect. His vitals were perfect. And she was like, wow, he stayed on monitor the whole time. He was very active. So to get a full 30 minutes of him staying on the monitor, nightmare. Um, and he was so tiny. So it's like he was just everywhere. Um, so that, that 12 o'clock line was absolutely perfect. She's like, whoa, that's the best one we've had so far. He stayed put. Like his vitals are perfect. So I took a nap and I woke up for my six o'clock test and his heart rate was like 174 to 178. And which it usually was like that for about 30 seconds and then it would calm down. And it was a different nurse because they were in shift change. So someone was filling in and she was like, something doesn't seem right. His heart rate is really, really high. So I was telling her he's like that for a little bit and then it kind of slows down. It had been like five minutes and she's like, his heart rate isn't going down. So she's like, do you feel okay? And I'm like, yeah, I feel fine. She was taking my vitals and my heart rate was like through the roof. And she was like, do you not feel like your heart is about to like come out of your chest? And I'm like, no, I feel completely, I felt nothing. Mm. And she's like, okay. She's like, something's wrong. Um, she's like, this usually is a sign that there's an infection that's going to start. Mm. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? So she had to call the on-call doctor who I had thankfully met like a day before that. And he came in to check me and everything. And he was like, I don't. I don't know if there's an infection starting. He's like, well, hold on, let me call your, your doctor and let's just kind of talk and see what's going on. So it was like another 10 minutes and his heart rate was still way up there. My heart rate was going a lot higher. My blood pressure was super high. And so um, he came back in and he was like, I'm so sorry, but we have to do a C-section right now. Mm. And I, I was 27 weeks exactly. And I was like, right now like what do you mean right now and so they and they started moving so fast like they were prepping everything and he was like your doctor's on the way don't worry about he this doctor was amazing too and he was just like we've got you don't worry about it he's like your doctor's one of my best friends like we do this together all the time we're going to take care of you we're going to take care of your baby and so again it was one of those things where I just at first, like emotion hit and I was so scared and I called my sister and I was like, I need you to get this out to like our, we had like a specific group of people that we were talking to throughout this whole thing. Like our pastors, a couple close friends. And I called her and I just said, they're going, they're going to do an emergency C-section. I need you to get the word out and I just need you guys to pray. And that's it. Like, we're going to go right now. And so she prayed with me over the phone and my husband and I were going to pray together. And he asked them, like, can we have a second? <laughs> And they're like, no, <laughs> I was like, what do you like? And they're like, we have to take her right now. We're going to bring you stuff to gown up and then you'll meet her in there once she has epidural. So again, it was one of those things where I just looked at him and I'm like, I've got it. Like, he's going to be fine. Like they're going to take me in. We're going to be fine. So um, I go in anesthesiologist is great. The epidural works instantly. <laughs> And then I was still kind of nervous laying there, obviously, because I was in there by myself. Um, I, my thought was never that I was going to have a C-section. Um, and then when my doctor got there and he came in, I just felt like so calm because it was a comfort thing for me. And so they actually start the C-section. My husband's still not in the room. And I'm like, 
is he coming in? Like, where, like, where is he? Is he going to miss this, like, miss the birth of our son? Like, what's going on? And I'm laying in there with 10 people. They had a team of four just for Maddox. Um, so there was just so many people in there. And he finally comes in after I'm, like, completely cut open already. And I'm like, where were you? <gasps> Sorry. What are you doing? And he he was like, well, they gave me the the booties. And they were like, for little girls or something like they were so tiny my husband like my husband is six three you can't give him like a size five booty you know what I mean and so he was like they're taking forever to get it because I'm like where were you like I was by myself being cut open um and so once he was there I was like super calm and he's like are you good I'm like yeah I feel I feel great like I feel pressure but I there's I said I can't really feel any pain or anything. I can feel them moving things, but that's it. Um, the doctors were having a conversation about where to go to lunch the next day. So I'm like, these guys are comfortable. They've been doing this together for over 30 years. They always work together. So I, that brought me a lot of peace. Like they know what they're doing. They've got it. And so I actually didn't even realize he was born until they yell out like time of birth. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, he's out. And my husband was like, I guess. He's like, I can't see because that blue cloth. And I was like, well, don't look over it because I don't know what you're going to see. And I was like, just wait. And so I was like, is he here? Is he? I just remember yelling, like, is he here? And they're like, yeah, he's here. I didn't hear a cry. So mm-hmm. I didn't know, is it because he's early or is it because something's wrong? And so we're just kind of laying there. They're putting me back together, I guess. And they're like, you did great everything's good and I'm like thinking how come I don't hear him how come we're not hearing from his doctor how come we're not hearing from his nurses and the doc the neonatologist did warn me like we're in there for him we're not in there for you uh we've got him taken care of and they were very clear about that even when I walked into the OR like I it was weird they probably thought it was crazy I'm like saying hi to everybody like like we're going to hang out for fun. And the one of the nurses was like, hi, we're here for your son. Like just very like, we're not here for you. We're here for him and we will take care of him. Mm. And for me, it was like, whoa, okay. They have four people in here for him. Like they're ready to go. They were on, like everyone had their thing to do. And so we're just kind of laying there, like waiting for an update. It was about 10 minutes, I would say, which felt like forever. And the doctor, there taking um Maddox out and they told my husband like dad get a picture and I am like trying to see him obviously I can't pick up my body and I couldn't see him at all and the doctor said um we had to resuscitate him but he's good now like it was no big deal which to them it's not a big deal it happens like that's their job they do it tons of times every day so my husband and I looked at each other like oh my gosh and then I started to panic and my heart rate was crazy again. My blood pressure went up. And the anesthesiologist was like, hey, I need you to calm down. I'm like, I can't calm. Like, I feel like my body is like out of control. Right. And he was like, okay, do you want me to give you something to calm down? And I was like, yep, anything. <laughs> and he gave me whatever he gave. I don't know what he gave me still. Um, and then after that, I don't remember anything. I just remember falling asleep and waking up in recovery. Yeah. My favorite thing is when people tell you to calm down as though yeah. <laughs> that will ever, has ever worked in the history of humanity. 
Right. <laughs> and, and like he, this like, insane was, thing just happened, this huge part yeah. of your life, right? And he was so nice. But he was like, he was like, I need you to calm down because I don't want something to happen to you. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I was sorry. like, I get what you're saying. I'm like, I get what you're saying, but it's not half like it's not happening. He's like, okay, take a deep breath. I'm like, how about I take deep breaths as you enter something into my IV because it's <laughs> yes. not working. And I was like trying not to freak out my husband. And I'm thinking, I can't even imagine what he just saw because we didn't even know, we didn't know anything. I just knew that he was really tiny. I knew that he was a little bit over two pounds because of my appoint, like my appointment and stuff. But I didn't know, like, what does that mean? When you think two pounds, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. I knew it was obviously way bigger than Declan. Declan was only 14 ounces. So he was super tiny. Um, But it was that thought of like, I can't believe I just, had a baby and I didn't even get to see him. Mm-hmm. So then it kicked in, like you start grieving all of the, like the mom moment yeah. of after, I mean, we had already, I had already gone through that journey of like grieving another pregnancy and not being able to make it to my third trimester again, not being able, I mean, we weren't going to have a baby. We weren't going to have a baby shower. It was COVID. So that was fine. But it was all of those things of like, I don't get to, like experience that I don't get to experience the maternity pictures and so grieving all of that and then having to grieve just the birth in general and it not like it being an exciting thing I didn't care that it was a c-section for me I didn't feel like that took away part of my motherhood or anything like that I didn't have like a delivery plan Um, it was basically like whatever can get him here healthy I'm good with Mm -hmm. but it was a weird thing of like not being able to hold him instantly not being able to even see him um and so I just remember falling asleep waking up in recovery and there was a there was a doctor there for him with all these documents and I was like okay well I'm not supposed to sign anything on anesthesia so (laughs) um I don't know like I still have my epidural like all this stuff and I whatever the other guy gave me and so um I just had to give consent basically for my husband to sign everything. And it was the simple things like if you can't pump milk, are you okay with donor milk? And this is why we recommend that. And um, just all these little things like, are we, are you okay with a pick line? Are you okay with just all? And I'm basically, we were just like, whatever you need to do to basically save his life, we're good with. Um, Cause they're saying all of these things. And I'm like, I don't know what a pick line is. Like what? I have no idea what that is. So all this terminology was just being thrown out, which is already overwhelming. I'm like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what these words mean. I don't know what a pick line does, but I'm like, look, if it's going to save his life, the answer is yes. So my husband started signing papers. I don't really remember anything after that. I fell asleep on her when she was talking and then I woke up in my room. And so um, that night I obviously could not move. And my husband got to go see Maddox probably about four, I would say four hours after, um, which they had warned us about. They were like, it's going to take a couple hours to get him stabilized, to get everything good. They were like, you should be more concerned if we call you within the hour. They're like, you don't want to hear from us. If you hear from us, that means something bad happened. So I'm like, of course, staring at the phone, like, God, please don't call, you know? Mm. Um, So my husband went to go see him. And I couldn't move. So it was, I was like, can you take pictures? Can you, you know, do whatever? Because I haven't even seen my son. Like, 
this is crazy. Um, my husband comes back to the room. Um, that's the best part is that the satellite unit for our main NICU here was in the hospital. So we were one room over from the NICU, which happened to be very convenient. Um, and so I'm super grateful for that because I know a lot of moms don't get that. They, they're, a mom from a C-section is in the hospital and they've taken the baby to a completely different hospital for the NICU. Um, so that I was very, very grateful for. Um, and so my husband comes back and shows me pictures and the emotion of it was weird because I was like, oh my gosh, that's my son. But seeing him at two pounds, four ounces was terrifying. Um, of course, it brings back flashbacks from everything with Declan and just how tiny they are. And, and, but they're like, he's stable. Like he's, he's fine. And I'm like, I get that. But all these cords and monitors and like, this isn't normal. Um, and so that night, I mean, they obviously had me on pain meds. So I went to sleep and that next day, um, I went in to see him and I was so overwhelmed. Uh, walking into the NICU for the first time is something that no one can prepare you for. Um, all the emotions of like the excitement of I'm going to meet my baby for the first time to there are so many strangers in here right now. Like everyone's acting like everything's fine. And which I get that should bring a level of comfort. And it did eventually, um, but it's their job. So for them, it's like they see it all the time and it's not a weird thing for them. For Declan, we didn't obviously go to the NICU. So I didn't, I had never experienced it before and walking in, it was like really overwhelming. I went into his room and I just completely lost it. Like the nurse was trying to talk to me and I lost it. And so she obviously was like trying to comfort me. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I felt stupid for crying. And it, now I look back at it. I'm like, why did I feel so dumb for crying? I think I, I almost felt like I was upset because I lost that moment of it being like a super exciting time to meet your baby for the first time. Um, And so that was really hard to process for me because I was so thankful and I was so happy. Um, At this point, we obviously didn't know all the details, but all I knew was he's made it further than Declan has. And for that, I'm grateful. Um, And so just looking at him though, with all of the monitors, I, I was so overwhelmed and I'm like, is he okay? Is he, and you know, they can't really tell you a whole lot. They obviously can't promise you that he's going to be okay. They just tell you kind of what's happening in the moment. So she's trying to explain to me like what each number means and all these things. And I can hear her talking, but I'm not processing anything. Like I'm just staring at him and crying. And the weirdest thing for me is to look at your baby in an isolate is so weird. And to not be able to touch them. And so she actually opened one of the little armhole things. And she was like, you can touch him. She's like, just don't rub his skin. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's simple things like that, that you take for granted. Like, don't rub his skin. Like, what does that even mean? And so um, I literally just put my finger there with his itty bitty hand. And I was shocked that he could actually like grab it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it was like the best thing in the whole world. And Mm -hmm. this nurse, was amazing she did like a full-on I was like can you take a picture she took like 18 pictures <laughs> of that moment and I'm so she was grateful like, iPhone portrait mode she was like yes, doing all the filters. she was, like, she was so amazing and I remember oh. thinking like I look crazy like 
I just had a C-section and I'm like, I just didn't even, I didn't even care. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't need like picture perfect moments because literally my journey to motherhood is not like that. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I was like excited in that moment. I was like, wow, this is the best thing ever. And I just kind of, at that point it was a private room. So I just played a little bit of worship music and I prayed over him. And then I went back to the room and my husband was like, how was it? And I lost it. And for me, I was just like, I can't go back. I can't go back tonight. And he was like, and that's okay. Like I'll go. And I felt so guilty for not being able to go back because I felt like it was super selfish. Like, what do you mean you can't go back? You're not the one in Isolette fighting for your life. Um, But for me, I knew emotionally and mentally, I couldn't do the NICU more that day than the 15 minutes that I was in there. Mm, Yeah. Um, Which kind of shocked me because naturally I'm someone who can just like get into fight mode and just make it happen. Like suck it up, make it happen. I told my husband, I was like, I don't think I can do it. And that next day, um, the, my labor and delivery nurse came in just to check on me. And she was like, how's he doing? And I started talking about him and started panicking. And she was like, just close your eyes and take a deep breath. And I don't know that I did that at all during the whole, I felt like I was holding my breath from the second I got sent to the hospital. And she told me to take a deep breath and I lost it. And she was like, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I didn't. And I was like, not your fault. I said, I really don't feel like I've even thought about myself once. Yeah. I don't feel like I've taken a breath. I said, I've kind of just been like waiting for something to happen. Um, and that sounds horrible, but it's reality. Like I just didn't, I didn't know. Um, and so after that, obviously, you know, a good cry always makes you feel good. <laughs> so um, I still didn't go back that day. Um, and then I saw him, I was in the hospital for a total of four days. There were two days that I couldn't go in. My husband was kind of just doing it for me. I was still trying to get up and walk around. No one, I've had multiple people in my life that have had C-sections. No one warned me the recovery about the recovery of the C-section. Oh yeah. It's something else. I, I would take my colon surgery 10 times over before a C-section one time. Yeah. I had the worst, like, and I, uh, my body reacts different to pain meds. So a lot of pain meds don't work for me. It's really weird. Like my body has a really high pain, to- like a tolerance for medication. So of course, everything that they were giving me that was safe for him, for me to pump and all that stuff, yeah. it was not working. Like yeah. nothing was working. And so um, it was, we were getting ready to leave and I was like, okay, I'm going to go see him and then we'll come back tomorrow. Um, And so I went to go see him right before discharge. And that one was a lot better. I was able to like stand in there and be excited. And we took more pictures and all of those things. Um, The nurse in there was kind of explaining to me, like, just so you know, he probably won't stay here. He'll be sent to, they call it the big house, um, which is Valley Children's. And it's a level four NICU. They're amazing. I think they have around like 80 beds or something like that. obviously I was very familiar with the hospital. That's where I was going to have all my ultrasounds and all of that. Um, and so I was just like, okay, um, not a big deal. It's like less than 30 minutes from our house, but we'll wait for that call. And so I was always nervous when they called because you never know what your phone call is going to be like. Um, so we were getting ready to 
um, I was in the NICU with him. We were getting ready for discharge. I went to go pack up my stuff. And it was the worst feeling I think I've ever felt. Having to walk out with flowers and mm. your bag and all these things. And yeah. I mean, I get it. Everyone's saying like, congratulations, which is amazing because I do feel like a lot of moms that have preterm babies never hear that word. Yeah. And that's huge because I had just had a baby. Like I should be hearing congratulations. Um, and now I think about it and I'm like, wow, I'm really grateful that they treated me like a mom and not looked at me with like pity and all of that, you know? And, um, but it was hard because I'm walking out. I can barely walk. Um, well, actually they wheeled me out cause I couldn't really walk, but, and I was just, sitting there thinking like, I can't believe I'm leaving. Like, I can't do it. And my husband was like, we have, like, we have to go. We can't, like, we can stay in the NICU for a little bit, but we're going to have to leave him here. And for us, we had decided at that point, he had a private room. So we were allowed to spend the night at that part for, uh, at that point for us, we had decided we weren't going to do that. Um, because we wanted to make sure that even with everything going on with Maddox, that our marriage was still a top priority because through all the trauma that we had already been through, we knew that that was something that we had really worked on because it was, everything had happened so early in our marriage. At this point, we're a few years in, but we had just, that was something that our pastors had cautioned us about in the very beginning. Like, don't, not that it kind of sounds insensitive, but it totally wasn't. Like, don't get so caught up in the trauma that you're forgetting about your marriage because at the end of the day, when all of that, when everything works out, you're not going to know each other. You're going to process things differently. There's going to be no communication. And so for us, we knew that it was important for our marriage that we weren't going to spend the night in the NICU. Super hard decision that we both, I think, regretted often. <laughs> um, but just getting in the car, I cried all the way home. Yeah. And then I got home and cried for hours. Like I could not believe that I had just left my baby with strangers. Yeah, which yeah. sounds crazy because obviously he was where he needed to be. It's not crazy um, at all. No. But for me, I was like, I like, we don't even know those people. Like, how yeah. did I just leave my newborn baby? Um, and so I was able to go to sleep at some point. And the next day I wanted to go to the NICU and I physically couldn't, my body was hurting so bad. I have a super high pain tolerance. So for me, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, and I'm not quite sure what happened. I don't know if it was like side effects of the epidural or whatever, but then I started having, um, tremors where I was like shaking uncontrollably. And at first I thought it was a seizure. So it freaked me out. Um, but it wasn't, but I was having tremors like probably for about four or five days, I would say. And they would come out of nowhere. Like I was shaking uncontrollably. Um, and so obviously my husband was like, you can't go to the NICU. Like if you're walking in there and something happens, I can't go with you. So um, my mom would take shifts with my husband so he could go to the NICU. And then somebody was with me at all times. Yeah. And which again is frustrating because it's like all I wanted to do was see Maddox and my body wasn't allowing me to do that. Yeah. And so then you go through all of those feelings of like almost where you hate your body. <laughs> Um, for me, I felt like there's so many things that have happened with my body that it's like, you're almost, you're almost resentful 
feeling like your body failed you. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I felt like it failed me again because it was something like, what do you mean? You had like my body had a surplus. It had everything that it needed to carry to full term. Why couldn't I do that? And then, so to have it be after where I was right. so in so much pain from the C-section, having tremors and all of that, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, come on body. You can't right. suck it up yeah. to go see my baby. Obviously it took a while for you to be able to get into the NICU and be with him. Could you talk a little bit about what Nick, uh, Maddox's NICU experience was like, what his journey yeah. was like? Yeah. He, um, after a week, he was transferred to Valley Children's where he did his, the majority of his stay. He was in the NICU for a total of 61 days. Um, and the going to that hospital was a little bit different. It's a children's hospital. So they were very, very strict on what was happening. Your check-in process was very extensive. Um, because of the pan, well, I think in general, because it's a children's hospital, but because of the pandemic, it added a whole nother layer. Um, and so not being able, we obviously weren't able to go in together, which was absolutely heartbreaking because um, there was one week where it changed when I think things kind of shifted a little bit and then there was clearance and we, I walked in one day to check in cause I would go every single day to bring milk and do skin to skin because uh, I have a friend that works there and she was just telling me the benefits of skin to skin. She's like, you have no idea how much it helps you, how much it helped him. And so for me, I wasn't working. And so I made that my priority every single day to go. Uh, my husband was still working full time. So he went every other day after work. Um, but I felt like, okay, it's my responsibility to get in there to do skin to skin and kind of make it happen, which on days it was exhausting, the drive to and from. Um, but one day I'd walked in and they had given me a schedule and I was like, what is this schedule for? And they're like, oh, you and your husband can come in together. And I like cried at the check-in desk and I was like, this lady probably thinks I'm crazy. And it was one hour at night, two hours during the day. So bummer, he works during the day. So yeah. our time slot was 10 to 12 during the day. Obviously he could not take off of work every day. He didn't want to use any leave when Maddox was in the NICU. That right. way he could be home when we got home. And so we went at night, our time slot at night was nine to 10 PM. <laughs> so <laughs> I would, he would get home from work. We'd eat dinner really quick. We'd head to the hospital and they were so strict about it. Like your hours up. Um, so we got to go in, have like our first family picture, that whole thing. I love that. We did that twice and then guidelines changed again. Ugh. And they were like, sorry, we were together there two nights. And then we went two days on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So a total of four days as a family out of 61 days. Um, we kind of expected it. It wasn't as hard as I thought for them to take it away because we had started our journey separate. And so I just kind of tried to make the best of it. And I was like, I guess this is like our quality time with him. Like just one-on-one time, like you try to make the best of it. It was horrible, obviously. Um, and so it was just the, he didn't, thankfully he didn't have any major complications. He was on, um, Billy lights a lot in the beginning because of jaundice. Um, he was on CPAP for a couple weeks, then moved to high flow. So all of that was for the most part, pretty smooth. Um, I'm so thankful we didn't have any, like, we didn't have any major setbacks with him. Um, it was more of like, we took him off of, uh, breathing support. He couldn't really take it. So we had to put him back on. 
And it's a little, I know that's such a simple thing in the scope of everything that happens in the NICU, um, but it's a, it's a bummer. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we just, I just tried to do the best that I could feeling like, oh my gosh, like, how do I be a mom in the NICU? And I'm so grateful that we had a nurse who, um, she was, I was in there one day with her and she was his nurse and it was time for his, uh, cares. And she was like, get in there. And I was like, get in where, what do you, what do you mean? And she's like, if you're here, I'm not changing his diaper. You're his mom. And I kind of looked at her like, you're crazy. First of all, like, what do you mean? (laughs) And, but I was so thankful because if I didn't have a nurse that pushed me to get involved in his cares, the journey would have been totally different. And it was that little thing of changing his diaper, which is so hard through the armholes. Like you feel like you have dinosaur arms. You can't really, I'm pretty sure the diaper change took me about 10 minutes, which was, she's like, you better hurry up. He's going to pee all over you. And I was thinking, (laughs) I don't, I like, Yes. And I was like, I can't move my arms in here. Um, But from that moment on, that was probably, I would say about a week and a half in. From that moment on, I did all of his cares when I was there. And that made all the difference for me. It was our only way to bond other than skin to skin. And I never thought that I would be so excited about a diaper change, taking his temperature. It's little things like that, that even now being home, I'm so grateful for. Um, because that's what made me feel like a mom. And she told me like, bring your own blankets for his isolate so I can send you home with laundry. And it sounds so crazy because now that he's home, laundry's out of control. But at that time, I was so excited to leave every day with laundry for him. And because it just felt like, oh, I'm doing the mom duties. It's helping me feel just like I'm taking care of him in the, in the ways that I could. Um, so other than that, his journey in the NICU was, I would say for the most part, pretty smooth other than breathing support being on and off for a little bit. What I would ask then is maybe, you know, as a mom who has experienced a whole range of things, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your loss of, of Declan and a high-risk pregnancy and a, and a high-risk pregnancy in the pandemic and your, your cancer survivor too. Uh, you talk a lot about the idea of loss of control you know, and mm-hmm. how being able to grapple with that and lost expectations was huge for you. Mm-hmm. Um, in summary, I wonder what's like, what, what are one or two things that you would say to encourage a mom who is going to be going through a high risk pregnancy, maybe after yeah. loss during this NICU, I mean, during mm-hmm. this pandemic time? Yeah, I would say my first thing is always to give yourself grace. Um, I think as moms and as women in general, we're very hard on ourselves, Um, depending on your personality type, some are harder than others. Um, But I think giving yourself grace and really understanding that it's not your fault that you had your baby early. And that was something that I really struggled with, um, because it's your body. So you feel responsible. But realizing, honestly, sometimes things just happen. And because you're, it's not your fault that your baby's in the NICU. And I think really allowing yourself to fully grasp that makes a huge, huge difference. That would be my first thing. And my second thing would probably be just allow yourself to feel every emotion and get involved as much as you can in the NICU. And that's okay. If that means you can go once a week because that's all you can handle, then that's okay. If you want to go every single day, that's okay. If you want to spend the night there, that's okay. Because I think everyone's motherhood journey is different. And it's so easy to get online and look at everyone's stories and 
start comparing your journey. And I think you have to understand that you're the perfect mom for your baby. And whatever that looks like for you is exactly what your baby needs. Um, because that's something that I, that's something that I really struggled with. And um, I think it's so great to have communities like this that are super encouraging and um, just hearing different stories from women and not feeling judged for however you decide to parent. And that's okay because not every, like I had the benefit of not working at the time because I worked in events and there were obviously no events during the pandemic, but there are a lot of moms who do have to go back to work and you're like, there's no difference in our motherhood. It's just our journey is a little bit different. And so that's what I would say. I would say, give yourself grace and then allow yourself to feel every emotion, whether that's like you're mad because this happened, but you're excited today because they can wear clothes. And I think um, it's okay to laugh in the NICU. It's okay to smile in the NICU just as much as it's okay to cry in the NICU. Um, Because that took me a really long time to feel excited, to feel um, like, okay, this is our journey and we're just going to rock the NICU until we can get out of here kind of thing. Um, but just giving yourself grace because every day is different. You could have an amazing day and two hours later at the next care, something happens. Um, and so it's, it's being flexible. I think, um, for type A personalities, that's a lot harder for me personally, but for me personally, it was trusting God that, okay, if I say that I trust you, then I've got to let go of the control because I can't, like, there's nothing I could control with Maddox being in the NICU. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Um, and then everything, I mean, everything just happens really fast. At one moment, he's on breathing support and not being able to bottle feed. Four days later, he's off of breathing support, eating full bottles and discharge happens three days later. So, yeah, I mean, it can, things literally change in a moment. Brandy, thank you so much for all the wisdom you shared. I feel like for a mom who's really not that far removed from your NICU stays and your loss, you're really objective and really wise about um, you're the introspective on yourself and also how you can serve moms in this community. So I'm grateful you're part of this community. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a huge thing for me. Um, like reading all of your stuff in the NICU, like, I don't even know how I found you guys on Instagram. I'm just super grateful that I did. Um, it made a huge difference for me and still does like reading, like even reading like the letter yesterday, I'm not even a working mom right now. And I like felt every bit of that letter. So <laughs> I think things like that, are, it's, it's helpful. It's helpful to be a part of a community where women really are for each other. Um, just because in the real, I guess in the real world, it's women are just so often pitted against each other and it's always a competition. So to be a part of this community where really our hearts are just to help each other is huge. And I think this is, this is just what women need in general, whether you're out of the NICU 10 years or whether you're in the NICU currently. So I'm super grateful for this community. Thank you. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.